buying your first house. Oh, could be painful, but not today. Thanks for listening to the Dollar Saving Divas. If you have ideas for an upcoming episode, we would love to hear from you. Just head to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash dollarsavingdivascbus and share your comments. Talanda, guess who we have with us today? You're not going to believe this. This is Marie Anthony. Hi, Marie. Marie has known me since I was in the eighth grade. (laughs) So just a few years. Yes. She was just a little bit older. She was in high school. She was my basketball coach in grade school. Yes. How was she your basketball coach? She was in high school, but she helped coach basketball because she's also a fabulous referee. (laughs) And she's been doing this for how many years have you been a referee? 47. Wow. How long have you been a real estate agent? About 35. Oh, so she's been a referee um, longer. You need to learn how to stick with something. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, Marie's going to talk to us today about buying a house. Wonderful. Well, I think it's kind of funny because um, my mom still lives in the house where I was born. Mine too. So, really? My parents, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, my mom's lived in this house. Okay, I'm going to be, well, I'm going to be, I'm not going to say how old I'm going to be, but my mom's lived in this house for almost 70 years. Yeah, 70 years. That's a lot of rehab. Yes, it is. That's a lot of neighbors coming and going, too. Yes, it is. Well, and most people don't stay in a house that long. No. Marie, what's the average amount of years that people stay in a house? Uh, Probably four to six. Four to six? Really? Really? Wow. Well, and then my husband and I have been in our house. It'll be... Well, we've been married 30 years in May. We've lived 31 years in October. So we really throw that. We skew that whole thing. But like my, well, talk a little bit about this because my daughter and her fiance bought a house. They've been in the house now about a year and a half. And you know what? And they said they did buy a starter house. They actually had enough to put down to buy what I call kind of like the next step house. And they've talked about, and that was when you say four to six years, they were talking about, well, we might stay eight years till we have, you know, our first kid and get him ready to go to school. But then people, don't people also look, I mean, all the things you have to take into consideration when you're buying a house. I mean, just walk us through some of this because it's been so long. I don't even remember. It's a lot. Well, typically for the first two or three houses that people purchase, the average is between four and six years because they buy the house. It's basically a starter home. Mm-hmm. They fix it up. They build some equity. They uh, save some more down payment, and then they move on to the next property. Typically, by the fourth house, people are staying in the houses longer. Four? I can't imagine packing up all that crap my husband yeah, has and lovely. moving it, moving it out. Ugh. Oh my lord! My clothes alone would take me a year to to, to pack <laughs> this, up. This is and, true, Kelly. And my swimsuits. <laughs> oh, for sure, your swimsuits. <laughs> well. What are the, I mean, walk me through the steps of, 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 you know, young people like Alexis and Will. They were 24 and 25 years, well, 24 and 26 years old. They're buying their first house. I mean, we helped them, but a lot of people don't have people to rely on. And I know it's really important to find the right realtor, too, that can help you with this and know what to do and the mm-hmm. financing and how much do you put down on house. I mean, it's just kind of overwhelming for young people that really haven't owned anything other mm-hmm. than probably a car and they owe a lot of debt to college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so walk through what what you would walk a client through if they were purchasing their 
first home or just the process of purchasing a home, what, what they need to do? Well, Kelly, this is a great question because in my opinion, this starts years before you even start thinking about buying a home. You need to build your credit. Young people, even in high school and college, they need to get a credit card. They need to just buy a little gas, buy a little groceries, buy a pack of gum. To show some use. Just to, just to show some use, okay. show some show some credit. And then pay it off every month. Pay it off every month. <laughs> yep. Even if you don't use that credit card, buy a pack of gum. Wait for the bill to come in, pay it off, buy another pack of gum. So kids, so I think, you know, I, I do remember that. We got Alexis a credit card when she was... 16 when she got her driver's license That's what I was thinking about with my we son. got her we mm-hmm. got her a credit card and her credit karma her credit is over 830 that's huge hardly anybody has 830 credit score I was like she's been so she's she invests she pays off her credit cards every month she has a car she's a homeowner she's mortgaged and I kept telling her make sure you put things in your name. You know, when we signed over her car to her, it's like, it's good to see those things in your name. My credit score is actually higher than my husband's because mm-hmm. all the cars are in my name mm-hmm. and most of the credit cards that we've had for a long time are in my name. So my credit score is higher, except now, this is the only problem. When you retire, your credit score goes down because your income goes down. But ours didn't go down that much. But that's something you have to remember if you're going to buy a house or, or downsize after, correct? Because if your credit score goes down, they got to look at that. But then don't they look at your credit history, too, on top of that? Not just your credit score? Well, it's an entire process as far as lending goes. There are different tiers of credit. So my credit score may be different than your credit mm-hmm. score, may be different than your husband's credit score. Is that how much you can borrow then based on your credit score? Well, it's not basically how much you can borrow. It's the tiers as far as the interest rates, because interest is credit score driven. So that's why it's important to establish your credit, pay your bills on time, even if you don't have a lot of assets, at least paying those bills on time, establishing a couple of credit trade lines and be consistent on the payments. When would you suggest um, someone starting that? Like if you if you you know if you want to buy a house by twenty five, like Kelly's daughter, when would you suggest starting that? I would suggest getting a little credit card in high school. Okay, so like you did. Nice. I guess you're going to be getting a credit card for I your your son. <laughs> you know, even if it's a prepaid card, you put three hundred dollars on it. You right. buy a little bit and you pay it off. You're just establishing some credit, some open credit lines and some history, okay. because lenders do not like cash. They like strange, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is strange because yeah, I'm I'm a cash person. Um, however, you need to have those open trade lines because there are different um, tiers again for the interest rates as far as you know what the okay. best thing that you're going to do. Now, when you go in with the lender, that's why I always go in with my buyers to the lender if they'll allow me to do that okay. because I like to sit there with them. It takes about an hour, hour and a half. We, the lender will tell the potential buyer the documents to prepare to bring so he can evaluate or she can evaluate um, their credit history, what they owe, what their debt to income ratio is, and how much is allotted out of the monies that everybody has as far as the monies for the housing. What do you, what do you recommend 
I mean, I know in Alexis and Will's case, they put down significantly more than what typical people would, young people would put down on their house. But then they also, this year, after a year, they refinanced. And they ended up saving, as they say, we saved several years off our, off our, mm -hmm. our mortgage. What is a typical amount that you should not go under when you're putting, you know, you do have to put some cash on the line uh, down. What would you say? Is it 20%, 15%, 30%? Well, the, the lowest typically is three to three and a half percent down. Oh, However, okay. there are programs out there that are, have down payment assistance programs depending on areas of town and your income. If you put 20% down or more, then you're going to save a private mortgage insurance because the lender has another insurance policy because we're, we're less of a risk if we put more money into the right. transaction, which is understandable. Right. Most people don't have 20% down, especially if they're first-time home buyers. If they do, then they're going to save you know, uh, several hundred dollars a year on that private mortgage insurance to the lender. So that's why when you go in with the lender, everyone's different. He's going to look at your assets. He's going to look at your down payment, money into the deal. He's going to look at your credit. And then they're also going to look at your requirements of what you want to, what you want to buy. Um, because prices have inflated, as we all know, mm -hmm. in the past several years in Columbus and the surrounding suburbs. Um, however, the interest rates are about the lowest they've been in 40 years. So anyone who is interested in thinking about purchasing a home, this is such a great time to, to get your, your first home. Or refinance too, right? Well, re refinancing is just like getting a brand new loan. People really don't realize that. Right. They think it's a little bit easier. You just bring in a few documents. But when you refinance your home and a purchase on a loan, it's like getting a brand new loan. You have to qualify all over again, uh, all over okay. again as far as the refinancing. And there's typically closing costs associated with that. So you need to weigh the factors sense. of the closing costs, how much money you're going to save. If you have equity in your home, they're going to do an appraisal again. That's right. And that's what the kids went through all of that. And they, Maria, I can't believe when you're talking about how things have exploded, their, their home, they live in Hilliard. They have a very, very nice home. Um, it's about 18 years old. Their property, when they, because they had to have it reappraised, went up $30,000 and they didn't really put much in to it in a year's time. That's huge. So what do you see about the increases that's going on with the property values? Well, it's a, it's a two-sided sword right. because with these multiple offers now, we have a lot of buyers and we have low inventory. So people are bidding well over bidding this wars. price. Yes. Uh, some people are waiving appraisals. Some people, really? buyers, yes. What's your thought I, on that? I, I, I'm I gonna don't interrupt recommend you there, that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I explain the market to my buyers. I'm certainly going to give my professional opinion, right. but it's your money, it's your family, it's your home. But I'm going to give you the pros and cons of everything. The first thing I'm going to ask you is, how long do you plan on being in that home? Right. If, if you're moving in the suburbs and you like that school system and you say, Marie, I'm going to be there five or 10 years. Well, that, that's a little bit different than somebody who says, well, I'm going to be relocated with my job in a year. So I want to buy something. Am I going to make any money at the end of 12 months? Mm. Well, it's always hard to answer 
those questions. So with these multiple offers situations that's happening, a lot of times buyers are going to pay more than they want to pay to get the home. And that just, to me, that's baffling. But I, I do know that the kids, when they bought their house, it was a bidding war between them and another couple. Just and to they make the had process to, more stressful than it yes. already is. Right? So they had to bid more than the asking price. And I'm like, oh, oh you know, Gil, he would never do that. He He's like, he's down there, you know, <laughs> chomping at the bit saying, let's go low, let's go low. But it's just, it's amazing to me that, but now I look at they got their value because they were able to, and as you said, there's closing costs and a lot of other things, but when they weighed everything, what they were going to save in their interest was much higher than the closing costs and what their home was so appraised for. Yeah. And so I was like, it's a pretty good, pretty good gig. I wish, you know. <laughs> well, Kelly, in, in my opinion, though, a refinance appraiser, appraisal could be a little bit different than a new purchase appraisal. Oh. So depending on the credit of the borrower and the comparable sales, typically an appraiser will just go back six to 12 months on an appraisal on what the properties have sold around the area. The area. Oh, right. okay. And subdivisions are a little bit easier because we're comparing apples to apples. Mm -hmm. A four bedroom, two and a half bath, two story with a basement compared to a three bedroom, one and a half bath, cape, it's a little bit easier to do an appraisal in a subdivision than it is in an outlining area. Because they're um, like properties. Because they're a little bit more like properties with improvements, with square footage, with amenities, um, with lot size, with decks, age of home, that type of thing. However, I have seen appraisals go well over any of the comparable sales that I have pulled up in a subdivision. So sometime you just don't know. It's just, I just, I'm glad we've been in our house for 30 years. <laughs> I think the only place I'm going to downsize to is Naples, Florida. Naples, Florida. And then I can live in a shoebox. I don't care. <laughs> so but again, in my opinion, it's still important for everybody to buy what they can. Don't overextend. Could you define that a little bit better? Because I am finding, you know, as I talk with friends and stuff and, and people having some life-changing events, whether, you know, it's a divorce or moving, what would you define as staying within your means? Are there some numbers or usual percentages of what you make of your income that you should stick within? That I, That's a very good question. And I think what's important is when you go in and we talk to the lender, and again, mm -hmm. I like to go with my borrowers because right. there are questions that I can ask the lender that may be the first-time borrower and right, experience I, I think that's ask. right. It's kind of like having the doctor in the room that, you know, when Absolutely. you always want to get the two doctors in the room that, you know, because then you can point out some things on what the results would be of some of the choices they would make on what they're saying. Well, absolutely. I mean, you may get pre-qualified to a $300,000 house because of your income, you have low debt, your interest rate's great. Right. However, you may not be able to buy food. You right. Might, you pay may your not be able pay, to pay your car in your car to drive over to dinner with, with your friends. You may not be able to travel if that's what you enjoy doing every year. You like to go to Florida or you like to go on two trips. So take into so account what they're approving you for may not be what you should do. What, you should, what are some of those guidelines? that? Because um, we got off track here a little bit. Those guidelines on income versus what, what you should spend on a house. Well, there's a certain percentage that a lender is going to tell you that's allotted for housing. Okay. And that could be a little bit different from lender to lender. Okay. However, 
when you go in with the lender, we need to tell, we need to be honest with them. We don't want to keep anything from the lenders because they're on our side. They want you to buy a house, but they also don't want you to default. Right. Nobody does. Nobody wants anybody to default. They don't want that house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't want the house, but we also don't want people to default. It's very, it's very traumatic for you. It's your Mm -hmm. home. It's one Mm -hmm. of the most important purchases you'll ever uh, buy in your entire life. It's so different than a car. And what people also don't realize is that there are three credit repositories when you buy a house. When you go buy a car, it's a lot easier to get credit and to get approved. When you buy a home, there are three credit repositories that the lender is going to pull, and the middle score is what they're going to go on. Oh, okay. So this credit karma, a lot of times that a lot of people go on to that's is free, it really? is not accurate. So what are the three? Per the lenders. It's Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Right. Okay. Oh, so those the are the, are the three important things we have to remember. Okay, now, Marie, we need to, you need to tell us, you work with a real estate firm. What is the firm that you're with, and how can they find you on e- an email address where they can find you? Well, thank you, Kelly. Um, I was with two REMAX offices when I first started in real estate. Um, now I'm with a, a broker in Upper Arlington. Her name, it, it's Trembley Reality. Mm. Um, so they can find me. They can call my cell phone. You can give us give us your email address and your cell phone if you want to do that, because I am sure people, number one, I just learned information that I never even right. knew, that repository thing. Is that like a suppository? No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, so could uh, feel like it if your number is not where it should be. <laughs> yes, that credit karma thing is not working. So, to give us your email address, and if you want to get your cell phone, and then we will we'll have that out on our um, sites for everyone to uh, be able to contact you if they're interested in perhaps buying a home. Well, that'd be great. And or work, selling a home. I work very very hard for my clients. Um, my cell is six one four three two three. 0203. And my email is MA referee because I'm a basketball official, as we said earlier. So it's M A R E F E R E E at AOL.com. See, she kept her AOL too. Oh, that's old school. Well, we like <laughs> it, but that's why people will remember it because it's old school. Well, Marie, thank you so much. And people that need to uh, be interested, of which I am not going to be one because I'm just- Don't a, jinx yourself. I, well, who knows? I don't know. Gil keeps talking about maybe going to Naples sooner rather than later, but I just want to go to Greece and Italy. That's 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 my that's where I want to go. I just want to go on a vacation. So that's it. But Marie, thank you so much for being with us today. And you can contact her if you have, if you have any needs for buying or selling a home. Thank you, ladies. Thanks for listening to the Dollar Saving Divas. If you have ideas for an upcoming episode, we would love to hear from you. Just head to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash dollarsavingdivas, CBUS, and share your comments. Our podcast is available on iTunes, iHeartMedia, or your favorite podcast player. Thanks again for listening.